Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We essentially have this box in our hand that we never leave at any point that gives us consistent uh, high emotions, anxiety, happiness, whatever. The only time when a lot of people aren't dealing with that is when they have a podcast in their ears. Hello and welcome to the podcast Castaway, a podcast about podcasts, a cross between a goggle box and desert island discs of podcasts. I'm Laura Whitmore, broadcaster, performer, chancer and podcast lover. I've been on a mission to get my next fix of podcast recommendations. Every week I'll be talking about all things podcasts with people who love podcasts, many of whom have podcasts themselves. Many times can I say podcast in one sentence? reckon a few more. So whether you're looking for podcasts about mental health or comedy, love, crime, or your next fictional series to binge listen to, my guests have got you covered. You may also be surprised by what some folk are listening to, and from that, a springboard into some really interesting discussions. Welcome to Castaway. So I was extra excited about today's guest because this is actually a guy I've been listening to for a long time and it is Blind Boy. For anyone who doesn't know who Blind Boy is, he wears a plastic bag on his head and he is known for being one half of Irish rap duo, the Rubber Bandits. But he speaks so eloquently, so beautifully, so passionately about so many things. If it sounds any way different than normal, it's because we are actually... um in the green room backstage before he recorded his own live podcast. I didn't know if he was going to do it with the plastic bag in his head. I can reveal the plastic bag stayed on his head. I did not see the face. We chat about the role of democratic podcasting in society and the influence of platforming voices and opinions, both positive and potentially harmful in the world. Really fascinating stuff. Enjoy. Today's guest is Blind Boy. Blind Boy, welcome to Castaway. Thank you for doing this. We're in the London Irish Centre, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I kind Thanks of only much. got into it last year because mm-hmm. I um, saw you at Body and Soul. Yeah. And uh, I brought my mother because she always wanted to go to a festival. And I thought that was a safe festival for mm-hmm. her to go to. And um, my mother afterwards said, your man with the plastic bag, he's great. <laughs> he speaks so eloquently. And I found it interesting that you said on your podcast, you don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Not really, no. I'm just too busy. I, I, and the thing is, is I'm quite easily distracted too. So, like for me, if I enjoy any, any anyone else's creativity, right, and whether that be a podcast or a book or whatever, something that I really, really enjoy is something that will then make me want to create. Mm-hmm. So if I get into something and I'm really enjoying it, it could take me a while to finish it because I'll end up stopping and it will have inspired me to think about something myself and then I'm writing it down. So I get quite kind of distracted. So for that reason... I don't have the attention span. Mm. Every so often I will. If mm-hmm. it, it, Maybe if I'm on a run or something like that. But, I mean, 
people often always ask me, Jesus, you must have been studying podcasts for ages and things like that. But I think the fact that I knew very little about him it actually helped me do what I want, you know. Why did you start the podcast? Initially, the reason was uh, I had a book of short stories just written, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a way to promote it. The thing is, is that pe- I'd never written a book before. People had known me from Rubber Bandit's work, which is either music or videos and TV, which is something you can really easily consume. You just click a button and you watch it. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden I'd come out with, you know, a book that you had to read and sit down with. And part of me was going, how am I going to let people know this book is worth reading? So I said, if I start a podcast and maybe just do four episodes, I can read a short story on each episode. And that's what I did. But by the time four episodes had come around, I had like 50,000 listeners after four episodes. And then I was like, fuck it, I guess I have a podcast now. So I just, I kept going with it, you know. Uh, For you as an outlet to kind of speak about what you want to speak about, because when you're in the public eye in any any way, and you know, you're private about your identity. But having that outlet for yourself is probably a form of therapy in some ways as well. Oh, big time. Yeah. It's me at home in my studio just free form talking I, I do have a, a sense of structure and an idea of what I'm going to talk about but ultimately what I'm looking for is almost a meditative space with myself where I'm in a complete state of flow mm-hmm. do you know I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about too much about what I'm talking about I just it's it's coming from my heart my theory on why podcasts are so popular recently is you can trace it to when we first properly started using smartphones right the thing with smartphones is you can never really escape. Like if you think back to like 2010, you were, you know, you'd go home and open up your laptop at certain mm-hmm. times of the day and check the news or check your Facebook. Then all of a sudden when it starts to be on your phone, like it's very rare that any person in modern society is ever actually doing nothing. Do you know, literally doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Like we don't like the anxiety of boredom. So you simply take out your phone and it's grand, but consistently flicking all day, whether it be Instagram, Facebook or news, the barrage of various emotions that it can bring upon you. I mean, it can be happy because you see something good on Instagram, but then it can bring up feelings of self-consciousness or envy if you see what someone Mm. else is doing. Then you go onto the news and the whole thing with the news is since news has moved towards kind of a, a click model where it requires our attention, news tends to be very it requires strong emotions out of us so we essentially have this box in our hand that we never leave at any point that gives us consistent uh, high emotions anxiety happiness whatever the only time when a lot of people aren't dealing with that is when they have a podcast in their ears because when you've got a podcast on and you're giving it full attention you're not going to be flicking through instagram as well Mm -hmm. podcasts just do that the human voice does it I call that the podcast hug. People are going to podcasts. What they're actually getting is mindfulness. Like the feeling you get after listening to a decent podcast, it feels similar enough to what it feels like if you've just meditated Mm. or if you've just had a bath or a shower. It's peace. Mm. It gives us a little hour of peace. And I think that's why people like them. There's something about the the sound as well, this ASMR thing, the yeah. sensory. And you, I don't know if it's intentional, but you, you vape. Yeah. And you, you can hear you vaping throughout. Yeah. And there's almost, I'm not a smoker um, or a vaper, but there's almost a... <sighs> yeah. And 
your tone when you do, except for the live ones, which are, we talk about a bit more high energy, mm-hmm. but it's very mellow. And I, when I listen, feel a little bit more relaxed. I, and I, really I don't know why do sometimes. I really do try and do that. I mean, the vape thing, I mean, the thing with ASMR is people have different sounds and triggers that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a background in psychology, you know, mm-hmm. so I trained to be a psychotherapist before we'll say horse outside happened, the rubber bandits, and then I had to leave that. But there's a thing uh, when, when someone is training to be a psychotherapist and it's called congruence, right? And it's, so if a therapist is with a client, what's very important for effective therapy to happen is that the therapist's words match their emotions and their actions so that there's no kind of dishonesty. Mm-hmm. So this, it, it basically means that when, when, when I speak, I'm trying to make sure that what's in my heart is actually what's coming out of my mouth. Mm. If it's conflicting, whether we know it or not, we pick up on that as uneasiness. Like often, when I give new podcasts a go, right, one of the biggest turnoffs for me is when you hear awkward laughter. Because awkward laughter is, it's, it's not laughter. No one's laughing because something's funny. It's just simply a way to relieve anxiety. And I then find that that turns me off. I've looked, you know, in the notes underneath and when people leave reviews, the yeah. number one thing for, for losing a few stars is sound quality. Yeah. And someone says, that's a bad mic. Or I remember listening to, um, who was it? It was on Super Soul Sunday. It was Julia Roberts or someone like that. But she was on the phone. And I was like, I can't, Perfect. I can't, I can't deal with that. And no. it was a really interesting conversation. And it was particularly around like the Me Too movement. I was like, I just, it just it really turned me off. Yeah. Um, and then you recently have been doing some stuff for your like outside. Yes. Um, you did, was it in San Francisco? You were like the side of a road or something. Yeah, I did San but, Francisco and I did Toronto. So, But did you have a few mics or something going on? Yeah. So like, that's something I really... I think is really important to the listeners and I love it too because I'm like I'm a musician as well so I'm a, kind of a nerd about microphones and stuff so I just have I just say like one of the first questions you asked was like what mic is this yeah as you yeah, came yeah. into the room it was lovely actually because so when I'm recording it right I have earphones in as well so it gives me like almost bionic ears because the the microphone is far more sensitive than my human ears. And there was one point in last week's podcast, because it was autumn, right? I was sitting down in a meadow. I could hear the sound of leaves mm-hmm. when they hit the ground, which is something I'd never hear because my human ears aren't attuned to that. But I could with this bionic set of ears I essentially had. Mm-hmm. So I want to create kind of a mindful space where you're kind of, like a lot of people listen to my podcast and they don't, they don't even give a shit what I talk about. They just want to hear me talk. Yeah. And I do have... A bizarre, erotic ASMR community that listens to me, mm-hmm. which is very strange, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, mainly over in America, there's uh, people who kind of fetishize Irish accents a bit. Yeah. So they listen to my podcast for erotic reasons and they try and, they try and gather together. It, well, it was voted one of the sexiest accents in the world, the Irish yeah. accent. Yeah. So they go shit for it. Mm. They were trying to put a bunch of money together for me to do custom erotic and I was like, no. I was like, what, what, what would your asking price be for you to do that? I, I, I couldn't. Does I'd start exist? breaking my whole laughing. I couldn't. Uh-huh. I couldn't. Because they'd have to write it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of podcasts, though, as well, that I'm kind of into, especially if there's a panel, that I just want to be part of that conversation. Yeah. You almost feel like you're mates with someone. You'd nearly blurt out. You'd be on the bus trying to join in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. You feel, and you're laughing away as though you're just with your mates. 
Um, I'm going to talk about when you were speaking last year at Body and Soul, and I think it was about toxic masculinity. It was around Mm -hmm. the Me Too movement and as a girl, like the shit you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And even like, I was went to yoga day before yesterday. I was coming home and some lad shouted at me something about, I put my dick in your pussy. It was 5 p.m. I was like, are you actually serious? Like, and in my head, I'm like, being a girl is shit. Mm-hmm. And I can't walk home at night. I always have to get a taxi. Mm-hmm. But then I listened to you talk and I was thinking, actually, it's quite hard for guys as well. How do you mean? Because you mentioned this thing about, as a lad, especially who was quite sensitive growing up, mm-hmm. that was considered to be... A bad thing that it was considered that if you in any way show feelings that you didn't fit in, that you were different, that you were creative in the language, that you were. And I've got two younger, I've got two younger brothers, and I remember when they were playing football, and someone shouted that he was a pansy or something like that. And and I actually was like, shit. From the other side of things, this whole toxic masculinity growing up around that really affects men. Mm -hmm. And. And it's only from listening to these conversations, because I, wa- I wasn't having these conversations, I was talking to girls. Yeah. But I feel from podcasts, listening to these conversations between men, really enlightening. We have a clip of this particular episode. Let's have a little listen. But I started to think, where, where does this, this fragile masculinity come from? Where does this... Uh... Okay, put it this way. If you've got a, a little boy and a little girl, right? And... Two separate rooms. No, no, same room. And they're playing with Lego. About three years of age. If the little boy is playing with his Lego and he gets frustrated, makes a bollocks of it, that little boy will get angry and pick up the Lego and fuck it off the wall and throw a tantrum and jump up and down and get a red face and start screaming and shouting. So then the parent or the teacher... Or the television steps in. And they will slightly chastise the boy. But they will also normalise the behaviour by going, Here, calm down now. But however, boys will be boys. Little boys are very angry. That's just the way they are, you know. The aggressive behaviour is reinforced by the adult. Now, if that same male child makes a bollocks of his Lego, gets a bit frustrated, and expresses his frustration with tears... He is very much chastised and told, little boys don't cry. Do you think maybe it's it's conversations that you just wouldn't be having with lads? Because I, but the yeah, podcast offers the opportunity to hear that. Maybe, and also that maybe men are not going to have it with me because they're yeah. like, you know, you go through so much and girls and go through so much that who am I to say that I feel emasculated or who am I to say that I feel this toxic masculinity telling me that I can't talk about my feelings? Yeah, lads uh, would be scared of showing any type of vulnerability or what they consider weakness as well in front of uh, a woman, you know? Yeah. So it's like a like a, a, a tunnel in, for empathy as such. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about um, one of the podcasts. It's actually it's probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah. And there are those few people who've been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan being one of them. Is there any particular episode I mean, that stands out for you? It's not that I like Joe Rogan as such. It's just he's occasionally good at picking very good guests. Yeah. And I'll dip in and out. What I don't like about Joe Rogan is... He he often platforms people that are really, really right wing. Mm. He's of this opinion that yeah. all speech should be free. Whereas I'd be like, no, nah, if they're just a fucking racist, don't bother. Do you know, so there is a part of me that uh, I'm annoyed with him. 
on the one hand, you'll have someone like Bernie Sanders on mm-hmm. and it's, it's amazing and I love it. And I'm glad that like the thing with Joe Rogan's audience is that it, it's massive. It's probably the biggest podcast for men. So when you put on someone like Bernie Sanders, there's a real opportunity there to challenge the views of the people who listen to it. Mm-hmm. But Joe Rogan's podcast would be seen as he, he'd be on what's known as the intellectual dark web. Right. Mm-hmm. So a collection of speakers who it's like a pyramid and at the very top, you've got people like Joe Rogan, who's kind of harmless. He himself doesn't really say anything that bad. He'll platform people who do occasionally say quite bad can things. You be, yeah, I was say, can you be harmless when you have that? It's power to have that platform and so many people listening. It is powerful. You can't really be harmless in that situation. Yeah. So he, he will platform a few voices that are causing some real trouble. But what people say is that it, it sets young lads up for a continual spiral until right down at the very bottom, they're in what's known as the manosphere, mm-hmm. which is full on un- unadulterated uh, misogyny and racism. I do enjoy his podcast, but at the same time, I-, I-, I don't go around recommending it to people because there's the part of me that it's like 50, 60 percent of his guests are really interesting and amazing. And then he'll have someone on like maybe Candace Owens and like Ben Shapiro, real right wing people who are. But isn't, but isn't that life as well? But I worry sometimes in my little bubble of Instagram and Twitter, I follow who I want to follow. Yeah. I, I have curated what I wanted to, want to see. Yeah. So when things happen, like, let's not talk too much about Brexit, but when things like ha- happen and I, I, all my friends, I'm yeah. living in London now, 10, 11 years, I vote here, and all my friends want to remain. Yeah. Everyone I know wants to remain. Everything I see on Twitter, they yeah. want to remain. And then... It doesn't go that way. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell are these people? I don't know any of these yeah, people yeah. because I've blocked out. All I see are yeah. the group of people I want to. So sometimes there's nothing wrong with hearing the hearing other side, the other side yeah. because it's bloody out there. Well, do you know what? Yeah. I mean, all I'd say is that for me and my podcast, I, I wouldn't like to be platforming. Yeah. Like I'm a grown man. I am solid with my mental health. I don't think I'm vulnerable mm-hmm. to hearing like men's rights activists mm-hmm. I can listen to men's rights activi- activists and with confidence go what they're saying is bullshit if I was 19 and we we'll say when my mental health was bad and I was incredibly insecure and I had really low self-esteem like when you've got really low self-esteem you don't want to talk to girls then when you don't want to talk to girls girls don't want to talk to you so all of a sudden you're blaming girls mm-hmm. and if I'd have heard things like really misogynistic shit it would have been a quite a simple easy solution for me to go all right they're all bitches brilliant you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i'm i have the i'm in the privileged position where i can listen to racists i can listen to misogynists i'm not at risk and as well it doesn't harm or affect me because none of it's about me Mm -hmm. but look a lot of my friends of mine who are women who've been through some shit they can't be listening to these people because it's really triggering from. It's deeply upsetting from. Did you listen to the Elon Musk one? Have you? I did. Seen, yeah. you heard that one? What did you think of that? That was the one he got in trouble with the cannabis, and he was like smoking cannabis during it. And He's just a bit of a silly boy. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with Elon. I mean, is he really as smart as everyone says, or is he just surrounded by a bunch of smart people and he takes all their ideas? I don't know. Um, Interesting. I, I don't know, but if he just kind of because there are like I, I really respect things like Tesla, mm-hmm. anyone who's at the forefront of things like electric cars for climate, all of that is really positive. But there's other elements of him that are just, uh, can be quite silly. 
He uh, also when he did that thing with the smoke and the cannabis, uh, yeah. it was a Tesla. They dropped the, the following mm-hmm. two weeks. There was a substantial amount, and it was linked to they were yeah. linking it to Joe Rogan. But he did say actually something in that which I found like someone like him interesting. The social media thing. Yeah. Did you uh, about Instagram? And you spoken on your podcast about this. But um, Elon Musk was talking about how even he was like that comparing like yeah. someone like him uh, who has seems to have everything and that yeah. stature was saying it's not real but we're constantly comparing ourselves and mm-hmm. we're constantly feeling shit yeah but yeah it's an addiction yeah because you, you feel shit but then you you go on it and you get that hit for a second then you feel mm-hmm. shit again and then you get the hit how do you cope with instagram and how do you cope with with twitter the mad thing there is I was actually one of the first ever people to call that out years ago, and it had, it had change on Bebo. Bebo in Ireland was massive. I remember it's putting gone, some. It's a shame, isn't it? It's gone, Bebo, but all my like, stuff is all my gone. all my pics from my university days are gone. It's a shame that that stuff like Bebo, MySpace, uh, GeoCities. That's that's a lot of history gone. Yeah. But and another big thing is. Uh, what was the name of that? Flickr? Remember Flickr? Remember Flickr, the photograph. When, when you couldn't put photos on Facebook. So no, you you'd put it link it to that. But Flickr still exists, I think, doesn't it? They're going to delete it soon. And a lot of people are saying, if you delete that, you might delete the history of the 2010s. Do yeah. You know, we do need like millions and millions of photos. Do you know what's, what's mad? There's, I remember with Bebo, and I, when I came to the UK, Bebo was something that like really small kids were mm-hmm, using. Mm-hmm. But it was something that teenagers were kind of using. In, it was huge in Ireland. Yeah. And I, I think there's about two years, my first year, my second year of um, university, where I don't have any of those pictures because I yeah. just put them straight up straight there. Bebo, yeah. What happened with me and Bebo is in like 2006, right? It would have been the same time I was first learning about psychology, okay? And Bebo used to have... It was Page views. views. You could see... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it became very quickly, ju- just around Limerick, and th- that you were able to now see who was popular and who wasn't. Because the really popular people had the biggest number of page views. And I noticed in myself, it was making me really anxious and angry and hurt and jealous and all these things and really worried about stuff in a way that I wasn't before. But I was also learning about a psychologist called Carl Rogers. And Rogers' main theory is that humans have what's known as the real self and the ideal self. The real self is who we kind of actually are when we're on our own, on our own right? The ideal self is how we would like other people to see us. But Rogers figured that people who spend an awful amount of their time living more in their ideal self, as in living up to how they would like others to see them, these people have a greater chance of anxiety, depression, things like that. So the healthy thing is to move towards your, your real self. Mm-hmm. So I did this big, at this time now, it was the Rubber Bandits Bebo page, which had 7,000 followers, which was pretty big in 2006. Mm-hmm. So I put up this big post saying, look, these Bebo page views. And I related it to Carl Rogers and it was this big blog post. And the next day, my Rubber Bandits page got deleted. Bebo deleted it because I said, this is going to end in suicides. Page deleted completely. Two days later, Bebo made page views optional all across the website. Wow. So I think I was the reason. When Bebo just deleted my page like that and the 7,000 It makes you non-existent. Yes. To a whole world. But it made me realise too that I had placed my self-worth in how many uh, followers I had. Mm -hmm. And once that was taken away it had removed my, essentially my ideal self. Mm -hmm. And I went into pretty bad depression and anxiety. And that's a common story. It's a thing that happens actually with porn stars, right? Female porn stars uh, who get a lot of views, 
sometimes they might post something on Instagram that goes beyond what's considered the rules and then they might show a bit of nipple or something like mm. that and then the page gets deleted completely and there's I can't remember the girl's name but she's like 19 and she started a new Instagram page and it's just her like bawling crying into the screen like as if she's having a nervous breakdown because her page is deleted and her whole worth and sense of self was in these 30,000 followers she had and she's begging and pleading and People were slagging her going, ah, for fuck's sake, it's only a page. But it's not. Not now. It's her sense of self. Yeah, not if you put that, not if you put everything in that. Yeah. And that's how you define yourself. Yeah. I suppose it's how you define yourself or how you see yourself. You see this now as well. There was um, a blogger, um, the Australian guy, and he ended up, he was losing followers because mm-hmm. of, of something that he had said. And again, put up a video of like crying, emotionally crying, because it's almost like, it's even worse nearly than someone taking your page away because you yeah. can just see people not caring about you. Yeah, your or worth laughing. is or laughing at you. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's almost like being picked for a team or not being picked for a team. No one's interested in you. We were interested in you. Now we're not interested in mm-hmm. you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Um, I'm going to talk about um, just some more of these podcasts because this is one actually, a few, this has come up a few times. Well, you said This American Life, but mm-hmm. I suppose there's been spin-offs with Serial yeah. and S-Town and it, it, it kind of, it's that storytelling yeah. um, and getting lost into something. Mm-hmm. This American Life has been around for donkey's years, like since yeah. 1995. Yeah. Um, and it's been Ira Glass. I mean, you stop. could even argue, is it, is, is, it, it a, is it really a podcast or just a radio show that's does well as a podcast that moved with the times just yeah. just moved to a different platform um for me like like joe rogan i wouldn't consider joe rogan to be an influence on my podcast it's just something i found entertaining at the time and he has good guests on this american life showed me the importance of storytelling that's what it did it showed me the importance of whatever it is you're speaking about you have to have like set up conflict resolution a three-act structure we invited listeners to call in to a special phone number that we set up here at the radio show and tell us what things you have gotten away with. Over a thousand of you called. Our intern back then, Tarek, listened to those messages, and he said that he came away from the experience seeing you all very, very differently than he had before. He said that if these messages are any indicator at all, most of you have either cheated in school or committed some small act of arson at some point in your lives. So, good to know. I know we should try to capitalize on that during the pledge drive. I have no idea how, but anyway, here's a small selection of the messages that we received. We found new ways of cheating on tests. 
homeworks. We're not proud of it. Well, at least I'm not proud of it. But it's what we did. We learned Morse code um, with taps during class. I, by all rights, should not have graduated. And I shouldn't have gone to college, which is what wound up happening. I got away with graduating high school by lying to my dean and telling her that I had HIV. My sophomore year of high school, I uh, turned in a stick for my final project. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that I got away with a little bit of extortion. It suggested to him that if I could pass his class with a much better grade, that what I saw in the Super 8 would stay just between us. When did you first listen to it? I'd say about 2011. It would have been the first kind of podcast I was dipping in and out of. Not seriously, just like... It's when I first started to notice the podcast hug. It's when I started to notice this hour I've just spent with this thing in my ears has left me feeling incredibly relaxed and happy in a way that TV will not do, in a way that radio certainly will not do. Kind of in the way that a book would do, but it was like there's something special and unique going on here. But it was also quite, it's quite polished. Like if you listen to the credits at the end of This American Life, there's like 16 people working on it, you know. Mm. So that's why I class it more as a radio show. The other podcast I would have been listening to at the exact time was Irish History Podcast, which is, it's just Finn the Wire talking for an hour about Irish history. And from listening to that, that, that's what made podcasts seem accessible to me. This American Life was incredible and engaging, but I couldn't put myself in that situation doing it. I was like, this is too polished. This is beyond my ability. But when I heard Irish History Podcast, it's just a dude talking. He doesn't have an accent that's made for radio. There's, there is prep in it, but it's not there to entertain. It's someone, you got the sense that he didn't even care who was listening to it. It was just, I'm going to talk about history because I love it. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire. And this is Bridget Cleary, the last person burned alive in Ireland. We're going to begin with a nursery rhyme from South Tipperary, where Bridget Cleary lived and died. It goes like this. Are you a witch or are you a fairy or are you the wife of Michael Cleary? Now, while this sounds harmless, behind this rhyme is the brutal story of the life and death of Bridget Cleary, the wife of Michael Cleary. This episode of the show looks at Bridget Cleary's life. She was the last person burned alive in Ireland and hers is a story shrouded in superstition and mystery. I I suppose the stories that resonate with me, the stories I remember, like do you ever go to like a really good wedding and it's three in the morning and you're in the residence bar four in the morning and someone's uncle is telling you a story about when he was a kid and sometimes he might forget where he's going with it but then he'll get back round again. They're the stories, and that's something beautiful about podcasts. But, that's but it's not polished Irish too much. As well, though, I think. I think Is it? I, Maybe. A few drinks well, on you. I think Irish people, and I say this about podcasts and literature, right? Because, like, that's the Shanachie tradition. That goes back years and years and years. The oral storytelling mm. tradition, which is very, very Irish. Mm-hmm. Also, we speak in Hiberno-English. It's not English as it's spoken, the Queen's English. It's, it's English that follows the grammatical structure of Gaelga. So we'll say sentences that don't make sense, like, are you going to the shop? You are. Yeah. What the fuck is that like? Do you know what I mean? I just answered the question I've asked. But this <laughs> Hiberno-English allows us a fluidity in how we use language and how we tell stories 
that then uh, affords a level of creativity. So I think that puts us at a little bit of an advantage, you know. You do a lot of podcasts by yourself, but then mm-hmm. you do it with people. Do you prefer doing it by yourself or do you like having someone else there to bounce off? Um, Does it get more out of you? I, I, can't, I prefer it on my own. Like, I'm a very solitary, quiet person, yeah. so I, I, do, I do like it on my own. There's also that fear, though, of being someone who've interviewed a lot of people, like afraid to meet someone that you really like. I think it's the fear of it, yeah. In case they don't yeah. turn out to be so nice. Oftentimes as well, you think like, oh, Jesus, this will be great uh, because of what this person has done. But the best podcast is where it's just a chat, yeah. where there's a tangent, where it follows the rules of conversation that happen in the kitchen. There's no rules in a conversation in the kitchen. If someone is, is a physicist and another person is a skydiver, like on a radio show, they're just going to talk about physics and skydiving. But in a the kitchen, they'll talk about milk or they'll talk about dogs or whatever. That's what makes a good conversational podcast for me. It's pure conversation and it's allowed to go on tangents. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the art of storytelling and you you kind of mentioned this and this was um, Crap's last tape. Yeah. Which Samuel Beckett play. I actually wasn't familiar with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about, because it's, it's a really interesting story of the whole storytelling, but almost from yourself, your younger self. So the whole thing about Samuel Beckett as a playwright, Samuel Beckett was, he was interested in the absurdity of human existence, right? And Kraft's last tape is, is it the 70s, is it? It was uh, 1958. 58, yeah. right? And what I find so fantastic, like Kraft's last tape is essentially, it's a, it's a play about someone who records themselves talking alone and then they go back and listen to it when they're older. That's a podcast. So in 1958, the idea of a podcast or anyone even want to hear it was so fucking absurd that Samuel Beckett decided that this was enough to go on stage. But another person I have there is Joe Frank, right? Now, Joe Frank is an American who recorded just monologues, almost short stories, but not. He's really someone who would have invented podcasting before podcasting because it wasn't quite radio. It was just Mm -hmm. him talking, right? But he was massively influenced by Samuel Beckett. Joe Frank is also the person who trained Ira Glass from This American Life. Okay. So you can make this podcast trip right back to Samuel Beckett very easily. And that's why Crap's Last Tape is so important to me. I do think that right there in Beckett's absurdity is the origin of podcasts. Joe Frank was inspired by it and then he trains in Ira Glass. And This American Life is, I think it's the most important podcast of them all. If you had to ask me, I think that's the one. Because it's the earliest and it, it, so many people started podcasts because of that, I think. Have you ever listened back to podcasts from two years ago of your own? Of my own? Yeah. No, I never really listened to do them you, back. Do you think you'll do that? Because that's similar, I suppose, crap's last tape. But if you're still doing this in 10 years time, it's mad. I, I remember like, kind of trying to look into my family history and you kind of you've got the senses. All, that's all you have. You have yeah. to really dig for things. Yeah. In 50 years' time, there's so much information about all of us out there. Like, if you've got kids, your ancestors can just, like, go back and be like, well, here, here's something from once a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you nearly have so much information, so I much mean, about hopefully us. Hopefully, the, 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 no, the fear is, is that it's like you were saying earlier, it's all being saved digitally. Yeah. So I do fear that if something was to happen, how much we could lose from the world because everything's being backed up online with, with nothing else. There is no physical copy of my podcast anywhere and unless someone's decided to tape it or put it on a cd so if transcribe that, it and put in a book yeah and it's, it's on some server somewhere but if all the servers were to disappear that's all that information lost so it's one thing i, I worry about I'm, because like i say 
I rely on flow and I rely on a, a feeling and a state of mind when I'm recording the podcast to go back. I'd be afraid to listen back to two years and to hear that it's different or because it would make me yeah. self-conscious and anxious. And it will be different because yeah. that's... I could human. never... This is the reason I don't read comments, even positive comments, right? I used to at the start, but I think I don't want to hear what people like about my podcast in the same way I don't want to hear what people like about my books because if that's not the thing I like about it, I'll start to question myself. Do you get me? Yeah. Um, I mean, that to get to that level is not easy though because that's what the end goal is to not care what other people think, to be so comfortable in yourself that you know who you are, mm-hmm. but you're very sure of who you are. Well, I keep blinkers on as well, though. I mean, I keep blinkers on so that I'm continually working nonstop on projects. And is I, that a purpose? Is that because you know what your purpose is? That you? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always searching for meaning and I get meaning through being creative all the time. So I'm all consistently working on three or four different projects. But while I'm working on a project, I know that reading feedback, positive or negative, would be harmful to my creative process. Mm -hmm. So by consistently creating, I have the blinkers on, going, I can't afford to look at the comments today. Uh, You said something which I really liked about failure and success. Yeah. It was interesting because I think it's risk. Risk is something as humans that it drives us and it's exciting, but it also can prevent us doing things. And it was this Mm -hmm. idea of if you do something, you can't fail. Yeah. And that really hit home with me because sometimes if you put something out there, I, I remember pitching an idea for something and was told no. Yeah. And I was almost like, why did I even bother putting myself through that in yeah. that room and kind of talking about it to all those people and then to get knocked back to, as though it was a stupid idea. Yeah. And it can knock you yeah. and we're all human um, yeah. and things do knock you and, you know, criticism, especially if you believe in something. But then I was like, I actually went into that room with an idea in front of those people and did it. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, I ended up making a radio doc about it and didn't do the TV thing. Something new got created out of what was technically a failure at the time. Yeah. That's been my entire career. And it's what I've learned over the years is there's the only failure I can actually see is not doing anything because you were scared of trying. Mm -hmm. That's the only actual failure. But I've had fucking TV series rejected. I've made pilots that have gone nowhere. But then like two, three years down the line, someone will have seen the pilot and now they're giving me a job. Or my book of short stories, which would technically be, it would be considered a success in a commercial sense because it went to number one, right? Yeah. But that's full of ideas that were rejected from TV six years previously. Really? So how was any of that a failure? Do you know what I mean? Do you feel when you had a book as opposed to the podcast, is something with that physical thing? I know, it's great, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the thing too. And it, it's kind of silly and shallow. You know, but it's be- all right because I, I, I feel I, I annoy myself with Instagram because I am that person who'll put a quote on Instagram. Yeah. Do you know, like live your best life and don't, don't doesn't matter. And I, but then I'm like, I sometimes feel shit if I read something bad about myself. Yeah. And I'm like, why did I read that? Or why do I care? Because I'm human. Yes. And it's okay for someone to say something good and say, your book is really good. And for you to go, thanks, it is. Oh, no, and course. to feel good yeah. for a second. But, but, but the thing is, we consider books to be, uh, it's like, oh, it's a book. It's important. It's art. Because we've seen so many people before do books. Yeah. But I, I, sh- I, I allow myself to be more proud of my book than I would be with my podcast. Because podcasts are too new. Yeah. And we don't view them as being... Uh, of worth because they're so new but to be honest I feel like my podcast is is just as important as my book and just because something's a fucking book and it's there in writing do you know like look at 
the way we now kind of fetishize early 90s dance music, yeah. which at the time, like people would go, what are you listening to that shit for? That's not even music. They're just pressing buttons. Yeah, yeah. Now we look back at it and go, oh, that was genius. That was, yeah. they were ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Anything that's new is always stripped of its artistic or creative merit. And podcasts at the moment, I think are like that. It's in 20 years, I do think people are going to look back to podcasts. I think now is a golden age in the way that box set TV circa 2002, 2010, Sopranos, shit mm, like that. Yeah. That was a real golden age. And we yeah. can look back and go, fuck, that was amazing. What happened do there? You remember that? I still, what do you do with all those box sets? I moved house recently and I had, I, I had the big box set of Friends, yeah. Sopranos. I ha- and you get them in a big thing for Christmas. Yeah. And now I can't get rid of it. No one wants them. I mean, the no art charity shop will take them. Yeah. I just kind of use it almost just as a, just to reminisce about a certain time yeah. in my life. But, um, no, I do think we're in a golden age of podcasts. I think in 20 years, they're going to look back at right now. Because usually what destroys golden eras is monetization. Yeah. So if you look at the golden age of box sets, the likes of Netflix came in and bigger companies. And what they did is they started to figure out that things like The Sopranos look a certain way. It's like, this is cinematic, but it's on television. So they figured out how to make things look cinematic, but... The writing wasn't there. Yeah. So I think podcasts in the next five years, it's just going to get really monetized by big companies and we might end up losing a lot of quality. You made that comment though about like about the sponsor thing. Do you yeah. think that having a sponsor, because obviously to run a podcast costs money to yeah. do well, to have the right mics and to, to be able to travel and do it in different places. Because I don't think brands 100% are on realize just the outlet that they have and the platform that they have. Yeah. But they're, they're coming along. I mean, I have a sponsor for this. Yeah, whereas I don't have a sponsor, so I actually got stoned on the podcast every couple of weeks ago. But, um, Good for you. The, the thing is, is that uh, if like you, you've experienced a broadcasting, right? Yeah. So you know if you're working with a broadcaster, like in Ireland we have the BAI rules. Mm. And under BAI, if you say an opinion, you're kind of obliged to have a conflicting opinion as well. And I know this from working in TV, from working in radio podcasting is like my escape it's like i don't have a commissioner to run things by the only legal really is that like the type of legal you'd have in a pub yeah you know you don't libel people stuff that would get you caught in a pub that's There's a really no, good actual reference there yeah what you do in a pub you know if, if you're in a pub you can't lie you if you say something horrible about someone the law will come after you but mm. with broadcasting it's different it's it's extra sensitive so with a podcast I can do what the fuck I want. I can have it as long as I want. It can be different lengths every week. There's no commissioner saying, this idea I like, but can you change this? It's 100% what I want. So I now have the freedom and peace of mind to just do what I want. And talk about so what it's you incredible. want. And that allows you to keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. Boy, thank you very much. I know you're thank about you, to do Laura. a live podcast yourself now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've just warmed up the, the vocals now. Yeah. That's what this Actually, was. Actually, can I plug? Um, Please do. Yeah, my new book, Boulevard Rain, is out on November 1st. And I have Carmel s- Whitmore can buy it for you for Christmas. There you go. Thanks. And I've got a series on BBC, which will be out, I don't know, but probably mid-October. It's called Blind by Undestroys, and it'll be on the BBC player. Can you tell me a bit about Undestroys? What do you undestroy? The, the shit we were talking about earlier, yeah. about the, the anxiety created by the internet. One of the episodes is about that. Another episode is about modern slavery, how we in the West... Um, essentially it's impossible for us to live our lives without some degree of human exploitation and slavery in order for us to simply just exist. Do you know what I mean? So it's uncovering uh, kind of injustices in the world and 
using humour and serious journalism to do it and it'll be on the BBC player hopefully mid-October if not November kept a busy man thank you very much Blind Boy thank you thank you and that's it another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.